Unless you're just really I fond don't think of. So. Unless you're really fond of red sweatshirts. I think Ian has like multiple sweatshirts. Yeah, I have a maroon one. Uh huh. My main ones are maroon, black, red, and green. Mm -hmm. like a, but I don't. I never wear the same one. Too do you make sure that they don't have like any kind of emblem or? Uh, oh yeah, I only wear like, a solid color. Solid color. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long does it take you to like sift through Marshalls to find those? <laughs> oh, you just go H and M or American Apparel. They don't. They all are solid. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't like logos on my clothing. I'm not usually. A Man fan. has a logo Ryan on his looks, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't <laughs> buy my own clothing. Let so the I record show that Ryan has a. I don't know. It's not polo. You've been looking pro lately. Yeah, I gotta go to work. Gotta wear nice clothes. Let's get. Let's get. My my rule is never work at a place that makes you dress fancy. Well, I. That's all. I don't I, have that many options. <laughs> that's the problem. What? Uh, let's get a rundown of what Ryan. What Ryan von Beethoven is doing with his life right now. Uh, tell right us now, working business development for a company called Appetizer Mobile. Mm -hmm. We make apps. That's what we do. Trying mm -hmm. to get people that want to make apps. But you don't make apps. Yeah, you I don't, don't make. Apps. I'm not you just go to par I'm a you go to person. parties and mingle. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the plan. So you're a networker. Mm -hmm. Fair and true. Like like when, but your company does make apps. Yeah, it's an app consultancy. Basically, we make apps. We do in-house apps, and we also do apps for people for money. It's exactly what I want to be doing, but they're not paying me at the moment. So. Sure, that's fine. I was no one's paying me to Ryan. be here, but here we are. Well, welcome to Screen Watchers, your games cast for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise worthless banter. I'm Joe DeClara. I am joined once again by the PvP purist, Ryan Shostakovich. Oof, just right. <laughs> and then uh, we're again, of course, joined by our studio engineer, uh, regional Pokemon master, Ian K. What's up? Nothing. We said hi before. You don't hi. have to say hi again. What's up? They know. We've been here for a little while. We were uh, just talking about Ryan's business affairs uh you're now an app developer ian what do you do because i don't actually know uh we're in my studio i record bands yeah that one i knew actually yes. yeah but then you say I you record go to bands work. jam meter studios come here record mm -hmm. pay me mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> i'm in a band called forget this and also i do graphic design on the side as your main job though the hours may be more it is <laughs> it is a side job in my heart that's good okay. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. This is my this is my main job. It pays me nothing. My side job is the yeah. thing I go and work 40 hours at. Yeah. It's really week. funny. You just you just have to get to a place where you just say I'm a professional. You should pay me to do it and um people will pay you. That's people, that's how I started recording bands. That, but that's okay. You have to go to school. I didn't go to school to learn how to record bands. When, I agree. One day I said, "Hey, you guys want to record?" They're like, "Sure." I was like, "It's this much money." They're like, "Okay." And somehow they so you just got hey Freelance freelance article, you want it? It's this much money. Yeah. And people will be like, oh, okay. Got him. That should be the thing. Make it so you make it, baby. That's, I just was going to say that. You make, you're, now you're smarter than me. That sucks. <laughs> I mean, more power to you. You're a graphics designer. Like, for real, though. That's Gra pretty graphic for real. Design. Well, graphics, yeah. graphic, graphics. Graphics makes me sound Do like I make video games. That does sound designer. like you make video games. Yeah. <laughs> graphic designer. is one single graphic. Graphic is you make advertisements. It's oh, okay. But you make... Well, you don't... You... Make the images of the advertisements, or you yeah, make it's a combination of things. Start sure, calling yourself whatever. a graphics designer and see how far. That see how goes. it does. I, yeah, I, I might start doing that. All right. Well, actually, my new title is production artist. Production graphics. Dope. Yeah. Get some more syllables in there, and you'll do fine. Anyway, this is not a career 
podcast. I don't know if that exists. But we are Games Cats. People want to know about us. I guess so. I mostly wanted to know because I was like, I actually don't know what these fools I'm sitting in here with do for the most of their days. What do you do, Joe? I technically, I guess I'm a music teacher. Although okay. I'd say I'm a music instructor. I'm not a certified teacher. I don't want to pretend. Uh, I teach at a school in uh, Queens or a music center in Queens teaching piano lessons, guitar lessons, drum lessons, things like that, and also do music theory. But on the side, or my true career path in my heart, as Ian would say, is uh, I'm a video game critic and journalist. I'm currently working on reviewing games and uh, for a website called IG Critic. Uh, I'm also been writing and contributing to Game Skinny, which is a free-to-contribute website. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But so far, it's been little to no pay for that job. But it's 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 working out. Hey, IG Credit's pay paying. is overrated. Fr- Freelance is rough. Really You'd be surprised cool. how overrated it is not, actually. In fact, it actually keeps you alive. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about video games. Uh, most especially, we'll be talking about game trailers, some very sad news from them. We'll be talking about the most recent release of Firewatch. We'll be talking about... Game Crackers taking a break, Amazon releasing a game engine, but first, some music. Sit in that chair. You gotta sit still. It's creaky as fuck. It's creaky. I thought it's, creaky. It's, no, it's creaky. When he, when he moves, Ryan, you're freaking me out. <laughs> no, when he moves, it, it creaks really loudly. And Ryan, it you just gotta get the fuck like, out of here. Like, no, no, no. It's, it's just it's just a loud chair. That's why I don't. Right. You could. You want to sit on the stool? The stool's no, quieter. Am I okay? You just gotta stay still. Yeah, you're fine. That chair. creepiness level. No, that chair's fine. Zero. No, this is a chair. Like it's a problem chair. Like I, problem chair. Yeah, I, I get it out of here when people are recording. It's. I think of Breaking Bad when you say it. Do you ever watch Breaking Bad? No. Breaking Bad. Do you ever watch Breaking Bad? Love yeah. Breaking Bad. You know the problem Ian does dog? not like television. I don't know if you understand. Refuses to watch TV. Ah, but now, well, here's the thing. You say TV. I think of different things. I Any think TV. of I think People of NBC. Like, I wa- somebody was like, you got to watch this TV show. I watched like six episodes of Orange is the New Black and I no, wish, I wish I could get those hours back. <laughs> no, actually a bad show. Yeah. No, I'm, it's critically acclaimed. But you like I know it is. It's a bad show. And you read novels. It's the same thing. It's not though. It is. And you're wrong. Let's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They're totally there. different it's, mediums. Why would they? It's a different medium, but it's the same idea. You're investing in a story, like a long form story. Orange and the New Black is a bad show, though. I'm sorry. I swear, I understand it's critically acclaimed. Fine, but it's not. First season was okay. I suffered through it because I was watching it with my girlfriend. I watched it in one sitting. That's insane. In like a whole day and night. Yeah. That's gross. Had a nice. So day. you're just gross. Like you, you're you're okay with <laughs> existing in your like in your whatever. I think I was hungover. I just watched. There, it okay, there. more understandable. Pick a better. I'm sorry. That is actually a bad show. So yeah. I hope that's not what's. I like Seinfeld. You. 
That's my favorite yeah. TV show. <laughs> As always. Yeah. Something I mean, bizarre. Seinfeld is the it's best fine. TV there's show. There's great television happening, years. just like there's great movies, video games, and books happening right now. That's the end of the story. I, mean, I believe so you. I tried to watch the original season of The X Files on Netflix, and God, no, no. I got like ten episodes in, and it. And we got uh, uh, one of my friends really likes it, and I respect his taste in in most things. And I just couldn't, like, I just died off. Well, if you if you want to watch The X Files, which I have not, I just like paranormal shit. What we can do is give you the list that's been circulating of like the ten best episodes from the whole series. There's and some just really bad that. stuff. It's a mostly a monster of the week show, but there is a central plot, and you can watch the core episodes, and then you can watch the best monster episodes. It's like is there filler episodes. like Bleach? There's so much filler. I mean, the whole show is filler between the entire show. <laughs> How can the whole show okay. be filler? Because, okay, well, that, so the that's whole it. show is a monster of the week show. I know, but so I would consider that filler, except there are small parts of it that are actually like the main plot it's a procedural show that has a small minor sure. like interview yeah, yeah. No, I under, I, I understand. yeah just but like anything whole, else like fucking house or whatever right yeah. but there are whole episodes donated to the main plot or to, like to sure to just man. like house or fucking whatever yeah it's like house yeah but some of the monster of the week episodes are supposed to be like very strong episodes of this television. is x-files you're talking yeah. about that sounds that sounds too contrived a way to like watch a show. You should just watch a really good show like Game of Thrones or Breaking watch, Bad. Like there are great shows that you're missing out on. I'm telling you. I watch the show. I I feel like I scare myself with the things I can't remember. But I watched that show about that fucking criminal guy. He's not Dexter. Breaking Bad. No, Dexter. The documentary about the guy who was convicted making of a murder. murder. Making a murder. I was watching that. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. You finished That's it. Cool. I finished I it. Finish it. I haven't seen like episode. Pretty pumped hey. to start it. Yeah. It, is he still in jail? Just tell me. Spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. I can just say the end was very depressing. It's just crazy that, dude, one day you can be walking out in the street and like the and next someone is picks just, you up and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't do anything, but it's over. Yeah. Like, that's, I'm that's horrifying. pretty horrifying. I'm at that point in the show. Like, I know about the kid and stuff. Yeah. And was Brennan or Brendan or something. Yeah. And he, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I had read some articles don't while spoil, watching spoil, the show. Okay, I was I was watching, I was reading some articles on like some of the things that the show missed, mm-hmm. and it's pretty ridiculous. It's like they clearly uh, shaped, they kind of, they pretty much left out information that yeah. cl- clearly to support the story that they wanted to tell. Right. But that specific element, Brendan, is all it's just so, it's right there in front and of it's you. So, yeah, it's so and it's so disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. disgusting. It's more than sad. It's like disgusting. Yeah. All right, let's anyway. move on to game trailers. On Monday, February 8th, longstanding game news outlet GameTrailers.com announced that it will be shutting its doors. Making a statement via Twitter, GameTrailers founder Brandon Jones said, quote, After 13 years, GameTrailers is closing down today. Thank you for your continued support over the years. It's been an adventure, end quote. While this may come as a surprise to some, given the site's widespread popularity, independent games journalist Jim Sterling believes it was only a matter of time. In an editorial released shortly after the sad announcement, Sterling argues this to be a result of a flawed ad-supported model and proprietary video players. So game trailers. Game trailers is done. They are gone. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real bummer. A lot of things are disappearing because of the... Well, it's I was going to say because of the internet. Because of what? Yeah. Why, yeah. What it, is this it is that's more complicated this? than that. I mean, I mean I'm, not a, I'm not an expert, but... All I can say is it's a bummer. I think, honestly, we could, you know, have good opinions on what it is. But Jim Sterling, I think, pretty mapped it out pretty, pretty well. So I mean, guys, I, I, everyone. Yeah, I, I read the I read the article that he wrote. 
I mean, at the end of the day, just everybody wants everything to be free. And at the end of the day, a lot of consumers like really devalue mm. the content that people make. And I think at the maybe on a technical level, it was their ad supported model. But at the end of the day, it's really just a matter of consumers devaluing content and but I think, and the the work that people put in to make that content. But that is the direction that media is going. I mean, content is completely commoditized. I mean, at the point where you used to have the New York Times, where they were the only source of content, right? Now, it's very easy to put up content online. So this this is just like the natural flow of the way that this is going. It was pretty obvious that this these middle websites were going to shut down. I mean, you have the guys at the low end who can do basically a small blog for a subscription fee, and you can have you know, a few hundred or thousand people subscribe to them directly, those people can make a living. And you can have the guys at the high end who are going to make deals with Facebook, with Google. They're going to get their content everywhere. And those people are going to have great proprietary video players. I mean, they're going to hire um, website developers, coders. They essentially become technology companies so they can spread their content themselves as far as it can go, but you can't really have guys in the middle with shitty well, web players. I don't know if that's honestly what's going to happen. You know, just specifically talking about the, uh, you know, coders making their own video players. I mean, honestly, I think that's disappearing just altogether. YouTube has essentially taken over the video. Uh, basically, it is going to be the only video well, Vimeo content is, platform. Vimeo, Vimeo I disagree. Big, I think so. you can write up your own solution. It's just very expensive, and it has to be good. And Vimeo's player is a lot better than YouTube's. And in terms it of compression, be. in terms of compression, like mm -hmm. YouTube compression is fucking horrible. It could be, but it it's a popularity contest. Yeah, no, it, it is for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. But even if you think their web player was shit and you didn't watch them for that reason, like they had great content, like they had mm -hmm. great production value. They had some really great talent. Um, that was one of the main things. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you've, you've watched their video reviews, right. Mm -hmm. It's just good. Yeah. Good stuff. So I, mean, I went was, to Daniel game trailers Bob one time in high school, never went back again okay, because great. it was like so, a poorly so, done It was on par or better than the IGN video reviews in most cases, which yeah. is kind of like, the standard for like the internet video review. I mean, a as, as far as I'm concerned, it's on par because they're just good quality, uh, right. you know, objective as objective as you can be reviews right. and, and well done videos. Obviously, opinions differ and things like that. And uh, game trailers kind of had their own voice. You know, they were pretty, you know, stay the course, you know, stay PC, just like IGN is and stuff. They weren't as like cut throughs like. Kotaku or, you know, sometimes Polygon can be, but like they definitely had really great views. They had their own opinions. They started eventually to support their, uh, their, their personalities. The, the, you know, the site started to ce celebrate the personalities that they had on board. Like Daniel Bloodworth happens to be one of my favorite journalists just as, well, just as a critic, actually. He, I think, just writes incredibly well-written reviews, gets to the point, and honestly, I keep I have him as a model for yeah. writing. He's been reviews around forever on. too. Yeah, and he's a legend. A lot of them are veterans yeah. of this industry, and now they're where are they yeah. gonna go? And they know? had they had yeah they had some good they had the Michael Pactor show for a while, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. They had um, Kyle Bossman. Mm -hmm. He had a good show. I mean, these people are gonna find. They're gonna. They're gonna to find. Go. They're gonna find places to go. I mean, it's like when one up dissolved. It's all those people are. 
Somewhere. For the most part, doing great things. I mean, it's ultimately a failed business model. It has nothing to do with the content that those people were making. I mean, it was it was a, a business problem. So if you right. read Jim Sterling's article, Ryan, you said you kind of just skimmed it. That's essentially what Jim says. He says that, you know, it hardly matters anymore what the content is, how good it is, and even how dedicated your audience is because they can get the same views and things from – you know, much cheaper resources, much cheaper sources like YouTubers and right. things and like that. And that's exactly right. what I mean when I say media is totally commoditized. At the end it's of the day, a commodity. I don't know Capitalism if it's necessarily though. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that it's really the middle dropping out. The middle dropping out is kind of a ubiquitous uh, element, just to, not an element, just a, a ubiquitous path that every medium is taking in every shape and form. I don't think that's necessarily the case here. I think it's more of a race to the bottom. I don't know I if I don't know if there are going to be any. This is a little the Washington Post. This is a little outrageous. I'm not. Use, hold on, hold on, Ryan, hold on. I don't. This may sound a little outrageous, but I think if things continue to go the course that they're going now, there won't be major outlets anymore. I disagree. I, I would agree. Uh, it's interesting um, you disputing the middle dropping out because. If you think about TV and music and movies, it's kind of the middle is exploding. Like uh, in music, at least right now, we're kind of having this boom of middle class working musicians. We're kind of it's it's not rock stars anymore. It's a a large number of moderately successful indie rock bands. Yeah. Bigger than there's ever been before. In the same way, actually, I would say kind of. People who have their own YouTube channel, it's kind of like that. It's you don't have to work at a TV station anymore. You can have your own YouTube channel and you can have your Patreon thing. And Well, this gets to a little bit to be perspective or subjective, but like that could be a way of interpreting the middle dropping out. It, that like those are the bottom. Those are the bottom. It doesn't have to be bad. Like it's not top to bottom. No, like, no, no. That's not what I, well, I think it's a race to the bottom as far as quality goes for sure. I think maybe also in the idea of the bottom being independent workers, but I do think a lot of it is that with that comes a lot of, a lot of stuff that's just it's like this podcast right now. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. a lot of right. stuff that is not, at all filtered or like, but we couldn't know, have been doing this 15 years ago. Exactly. This is we the could perfect have been. example. No one else would have touched. Well, we would have I mean, I would say it's down to that. We wouldn't have even been able to afford the equipment. That's possibly true. Well, yeah. Joey, let me make this case one more time. You say the high end is going to get totally full out. There's going to be no major outlets. Video game outlets. Yeah. I'm trying to explain to you that the high end looks very different today. And what these companies are, are essentially technology companies they staff up they have coders on staff who are making them custom web uis custom content management systems for their writers to pump in and these websites are very expensive to run but they're the only websites that can make major deals so you're not considering ign to be top of the video game outlet i'm considering like the wall street journal ign is actually the number one video game yeah, outlet it's the number one video game website on the internet so they're not a tech company you know they are very much IGN content creators definitely is going to morph into a tech company if they want to survive they're going to have people they show no signs of that i mean whatsoever i'm talking about in terms of the website development and they definitely do have people making their website at a high level and like thinking okay but about, tech hold on what are you talking about when you say when tech? i say mean technology i mean like uh 
coders on staff to work on the website, like having people making your website custom. That's very different from what these what these like other people are doing. Okay, sure. I I mean, uh, clearly, I, video game trailers didn't innovate far enough. They didn't go deep enough into technology to like st- innovate themselves out of this problem. I, I keep paraphrasing Sterling. Sterling does say that like, okay, you know, the the answer has been. I'm almost quoting him. The answer has been to you know proprietary video players like IGN has, like game trailers had. And your argument is, well, his argument was, but they're normally shitty and people just want to go to YouTube. Your argument is, well, then they're going to like making them less shitty because they're going to become high end tech companies. I don't know if that'll necessarily solve the problem. I don't think Sterling is quite on point with that. I think YouTube is the place, not just because the video player is the, the other video players are crap, that might be the case now, but then it's just eventually going to be YouTube. It's where you watch videos and that's the end of the story. You know, people just are accustomed to that. YouTube has a great model of keeping you on YouTube, watching other videos from other sources and things like that. I think it'll just, regardless of what other video players are doing, like Vi- what's it, Vimeo? Vimeo, yeah. Vimeo, it won't matter if it's the best video player ever and has less compression and better rendering. It won't matter because... YouTube will basically royalty, you know, it'll just be the place to go. Kind of like how, you know, Instagram, Instagram shouldn't exist. This is really off topic, but like, I feel like Instagram shouldn't exist because it's essentially doing similar things to Facebook, but it got in at a time that now it's popular enough. It can exist. Things like that. I think YouTube, it doesn't matter if it's better than, you know, Vimeo or whatever. It just matters. that It's better than most. And now it's, considered that i mean i agree with you that youtube is like a massive changing force uh on the internet but i'm telling you that youtube is a very particular service that takes a large part of your ad revenue and that these companies want their full ad revenue right and and he mentions that he says he doesn't really say the answer is a proprietary video player he says it's a catch well he says it's a catch 22 because you use the proprietary video player and you get more money from your ads because you're you you have total control over the deals you make with your partners right or you use youtube where you potentially get more views larger fan base but you get less money because youtube takes a cut and they have far less money yeah yeah etc the thing is I think that everybody is kind of forgetting right now is that we assume that YouTube is too big to fail and that's not the case. YouTube can disappear just like any other huge internet force has disappeared. And actually there's, I mean, YouTube's rolling out a lot of new features and there's always backlash and there's always, and the the backlash seems to be building with every passing year. And I think it, it could easily get to a point where YouTube collapses under its own weight. I don't think it's impossible. I mean, Bigger, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Honestly, I, yeah. I'm so, I'd, I'd have, no, I, I don't think it's impossible. I really, I mean, I understand that sentiment. I really disagree. I think YouTube already does so much right that it'd have to do something, something crazy would have to happen. I mean, happen. nobody thought MySpace would have. Yeah. First MySpace of all, wasn't like Facebook is, Facebook has its hand in everything. MySpace did not get to the point where YouTube or Facebook are at right now, you know? I yeah, mean, but it just takes maybe a small that's just group a little, of people that switch and then they're the influencers and they move people. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a, eventually a tipping point where everyone leaves overnight. I mean, that's something that can happen on YouTube. It's just a program where you record videos. Right. You know about videos. YouTube red and all the new things they're yeah. trying to push yeah, and they're yeah. getting stricter and stricter in terms of what they're, 
what the publishers on YouTube can do. That's true. The you money right. they make. Yeah. YouTube Red was is a first tell. There have been movements before. A lot of people have actually left YouTube and made their own websites and they're doing Patreon stuff and they're not even putting their videos on YouTube anymore. I mean big, big rough. YouTube people. Like, how yeah. do they like who? Um, a lot of people who do games journalism on YouTube and a lot of uh, other people like People who were almost as big as PewDiePie have mm-hmm. just left. Like PewDiePie got the deal, and these other people left. Sure, okay. Um, some it. of the biggest. Uh, yeah, well, they see how much money you can make on okay, Patreon. Okay, so exactly. You get ten thousand people to right. pay you a dollar a if, month, and if mm-hmm. all and of the set. biggest people on YouTube do that, I'm not saying it's happening now, but I'm saying it could happen where too many people leave, and YouTube can can kind of be in dire straits so youtube is basically like in terms of media landscape a big question mark i mean it's like an epic experiment we don't know how it's going to turn out like the future is i mean it's an experiment in the fact that it's it's the internet and the internet is never really set it's just going to keep evolving and changing and and morphing and you know it's it's always going to be experiment if it's on the internet if it exists solely on the internet (laughs) you know facebook is still an experiment you know, cause it's, it's just going to keep evolving and changing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know the history of YouTube, the guys who started YouTube desperately wanted to sell it because entire popularity at the beginning of YouTube was from pirated content. Yeah. And these people were just like, we need to sell this thing. Like this is a liability. Yeah. And they sold it for a lot of money to Google. Yep. Google looked at it and said, we, could. we see that, that it's a liability. Mm. We are going to come in and fix it. And we are Google. And we are Google. And we are almighty. and the well-being of all the employees at Game Trailers. Not nearly as important to Ryan as... as Game Trailers, the, the I wonder if Firewatch. their Firewatch review is their last review. I think it might be. It might the be. The last thing because on Game Trailers. Unravel and Firewatch, I, I checked, and those were the last two things yeah. that were still up on there. That's, that's a bummer. That's kind of gross. But, but right, anyway, so Firewatch. we got to talk so about Firewatch. Ian says it's his game of the year so far, and I agree. I think this game is just, just incredible. I have I not enough good things to say I don't think it's my game. game of the year so far. I doubt that there will be anything that surpasses it for me. I mean, I, I, I can mean, say so far, but just in terms of knowing what I like and knowing what's coming up, I don't think anything's going to touch it for me for what I like. There I mean, I've never played a like game this. that was as resonant emotionally in just the beginning as Firewatch was. I mean, it's it's wow. pretty incredible. It, it's really incredible. Um, I would compare it to Gone Home in terms of what I'm – feeling when i'm playing it it, mm. it is very different it, it's for one all, it's, a, it's a much more active game as far as the narrative like you're actually participating in the narrative as far as i can tell 
Well, here's the thing. I, whereas I, Gone Home, it's pretty set in stone. You're just exploring. Right. I mean, I almost feel like it's the spiritual successor to Gone Home. Keep in mind, it's the same um, composer that does the music. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. That's Who's interesting. The, I don't know. The, I'm the musician. I'm one of the musicians here, and I don't know who that's the interesting. composer is. That's See, terrible. I'm kind of surprised, actually, that you enjoyed it as much as you're enjoying it. Now, you haven't beat it. Uh, what day are you I on? played through the first day last night, and then I didn't have time. I mean, okay. I, there was. A I'm si- on day ninety. I mean, I'm just gonna. Okay, really? Yeah, Is I'm just real? gonna spoil yeah. no, within the first hour this moment where you walk up this. and there's a typewriter <laughs> on the floor. Did you notice the typewriter mm-hmm. when you walk up? That was just incredible to me. Okay, I, was I actually like, saw a let's play of that. So I actually there's a typewriter on the floor, and yeah. I was just like, oh my god, walk up to the house. Really incredible. So what does this game do? We really can't get into spoilers. Yeah, One, because spoil this, this isn't the spoiler cast. And it just came out yesterday. It just came out yesterday. And so. two, I haven't played it yet because I'm playing Unraveled, which I'm terribly, terribly upset about now. Oh, you haven't played it all? I've been... No, I haven't played any Firewatch because I, <sighs> I bought... I'm playing Unraveled. There's a, you might want to buy if, if you didn't buy Firewatch, you might want to buy it now because there's a sale for the next two days. And fuck off. Yeah. No, but he's right, gonna buy it on PlayStation. No, yeah, oh, okay. no Steam. Yeah, okay, PlayStation. Now you told me I should buy it. So anyway, it, so Ryan, I, I want to hear. Tell me about what you like. The most beautiful game that I've ever played. You think so? The graphics? I think the graphics really? are just incredible. I mean, just walking around the world. It is beautiful. It is like stunning. I will uh-huh. say it's a little buggy, though. I was I've not en- buggy on Windows. I've encountered some serious bugs. Okay. What kind of things? Um. So you know how when you're walking in the environment, and this is a this is like a really minor gripe, there's a lot of invisible wall. Yeah, where you can't walk past certain rocks and stuff. So I've actually glitched myself into passing that invisible wall and then and getting stuck on the other side of that invisible wall. I have not done that. You that can, sounds hard. You can walk around the terrain. You can walk around all the terrain that's rendered. Um, you don't like fall through it or anything like that, but you can't get back. So there was about a 15 minute period of me trying to glitch myself out of the area I glitched myself into. Honestly, you remember mentioned- when we used to try. I'm sorry. Remember when we used to try to glitch ourselves out of video games? Like yeah. we would try as a kid. Yeah, it's so hard just sure. to break the Mario fucking 64. game. And it's not even cool. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not even cool. Once you Anytime do you yeah. see someplace that's just kind of out of your line of sight, you're like, there is some mysterious shit yeah. in that corner up there, and I need to go get to it. You know? Right. Well, this was my main problem with Firewatch so far. Uh, everything about the game is incredible, except the experience of the traversal is like pretty low quality. I wish the mm. actual experience of walking around was more frenetic in the game. Like I would want almost like an Assassin's Creed style. Oof, dude, you lost me right there. Assassin's Creed, I can't stand I the want traversal. To be, I want that. to be able to run up rock bases. Okay, I but understand I think, that. Okay, I but, understand that. Sorry. But yeah. you have to consider the narrative of this game and you're kind of an average guy. You're a little bit overweight. You're... <laughs> just taking up this job to, to be kind of a park ranger. So, so Ian's right in, totally in on the, on yeah, the narrative. I do understand. No, I mean, this is not spoiler. No, no, no but no, I'm, no, I'm no. saying, no, I'm I mean, saying like for you to then say that you want it to character. be like Assassin's Creed and you can climb up anything. That's no, no, not no. your character. Not to the point where you're like vaulting up rock faces, but I want to be able to, you feel I restricted. Want, yeah, I want the experience of walking around. I know what you're saying it, more it, interest. It, it could be a little bit better. Is it and clear think, like that? You see that crack? It's like that's a wall crack I can climb up. Is it clear like there's, that? There's some stuff like that, but I I agree with what what Ryan's saying to a point, and I think I can see that the developer struggled to say we want the the player to go on X path, because really, if you make a game about 
hiking, it's, I mean, it's so easy to get lost. Uh-huh. It's just, yeah. if you could go anywhere, there would be no, it's kind of like gone home. We were talking about it last week or whenever we talked about it, you walk in and you see that uh, answering machine and you walk left. If you're in the woods and you can walk anywhere and there's no invisible walls, I mean, you're never going to get where you have to go. Well, that's yeah. the thing. So it seems like an open world. But then when you, you realize very quickly that it's really you're walking around hallways. Yeah. Like you can see yeah. into the distance, but they are hallways. Yeah. But back to the, the kinetic motion. I mean, I wish this was like middle-aged mirror's edge. Like mm. you're like being able to the move thing kind is, of like this mirror's edge, is, but just for the list, slower. For context for the listeners at home, this is essentially a narrative driven game right? yeah absolutely so the thing is like i agree with you in some ways the uh, the problem i have with these games is i still want them to be games i respect the idea that like it's a narrative driven something else it doesn't even have to be a game we could call it a non-game if you want although i hate that it's like the word atonal i think i think this is this is a game okay but like it essentially this is an experience though that surpasses like most games. Of. Sure, that's fine. It's a narrative-driven game. The there other you know, thing... what you were looking for. About and, but, this game. But I always want... Yeah, but I always want these games, even though they're narrative-driven and stuff, I still want that extra polish that just makes me feel like... That doesn't break that fourth wall of like, oh, this is a video game. I have to stay right. on this path. You sure, know, I understand, sure. yeah. And I, and I think the way that Skyrim dealt with that... And although people would say Skyrim is a game that's maybe very buggy and it has a lot sure of glitches... Is. I think the way they deal with traversing certain areas is kind of like they rely on the game's physics engine to prevent yeah. you from entering certain areas. So there's a mountain and you want to climb past it. You just At some point, the, that the mountain too becomes too steep that the the physics engine kicks in and your character slides back down that mm-hmm. that face. And I think they could have done that in this game, specifically because of the type of environment. I think they could have just made some steep hills that you can't get over till certain points in the game. I think making these rocks, it just looks like you would so reasonably any person i mean my grandpa could climb over these rocks <laughs> no and i'm not you know what i'm saying exactly, it's not, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, just it's, having like a limit that you can't cross but it's like very yeah. obvious that you could or even even using stuff like oh this is like a deep river with rapid water i mean i think they could have done a little bit better i think it was a game created by a small team yeah, and i think very small i was gonna say that yeah the fact of the matter is a small team campo santo they and i think you know, they they don't have the resources to make a huge game right and i think it's engine. probably something they thought about and and they probably said well this is what this game is really about let's not spend yeah. too much of our time on this let's and what they did spend their time on i mean it really shows well, the other thing is the voice acting in this game is the best voice acting in any game I've ever played. It's I, I saw some Let's Play. It's okay, phenomenal. so like I'll just always interject with what I can say about this game. I have heard some of it. I saw one specific demo. Uh, so semi spoilers, but just for the next two seconds. But like the 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 naked teen scene. Well, that's in the trailer, in. so it's yeah, not really it's, a spoiler. Yeah. Okay, so hardly. I felt yeah, like everyone saw me. I wish that, I didn't even see the trailer because I knew that was going to happen. Was although the, it's the very beginning. That was also the demo they showed to everyone at any expo, like over and over. Right. Which I'm glad they used the same thing. I was excited because I was already excited, and it was the same thing. You know, you didn't spoil any more of the game, but like that, just like listening to the two guy, the guy talk to the girl uh, in the tower, or whatever. Yeah, it did sound very convincing. I guess. I mean, it's the, the guy word. from Mad Men. It's one of the guys from Man Men. Oh. And I don't know the, who the girl is. And I, I was also incredible. I would say the voice acting in Gone Home was superb and was some of the best voice acting I've ever heard in a video game. This is even better than that. It's it's really yeah. phenomenal. I think a lot of that lends itself to the really unique uh, 
relationship that the two characters have. I don't know if it, it I don't know. I don't know if it's a spoiler. The premise is you're, you're in contact with someone. You're, you work at a watchtower and you're in contact with someone at another watchtower. <laughs> yeah. That that's and, like in the trailer. You yeah. Understand. Well, yeah. But yeah. that's the whole thing is you never really see each other and you're just contacting each other over a walkie talkie. I find myself doing something I never do in games, which is going through every dialogue tree because each one is so good. Oh, like yeah. I'll, you don't now, have thing, to go through everyone. You could actually say nothing yeah. and she'll just be like, Oh, you don't even want to more to than me. that. Uh, there's this kind of organic conversation game element where like in a real conversation, you kind of have a window to respond. And after that window passes, it becomes weird for you to kind of answer to a joke or something. So if you say a joke and I have like a, a witty response, right? Oh. I can, res- I have got like a 30 second, two minute window window. Right. After that, it just becomes weird. Like if in 10 minutes, you know, at 10 minutes, I can't respond to that. It's just weird. So you kind of have this timer and different things that the person you're talking to says, the timer ticks down faster or slower Mm -hmm. based on kind of, I don't know what they, it's kind of how serious the conversation is. Yeah. I'm curious on the very first. So you can, if you're looking at your map and Mm -hmm. you're not paying attention, you can't answer. You have to put your map away, grab your walkie talkie. And if you miss the window, you, you can't. can't really you, that tree is gone. That's really yeah. cool. But, but it's so, cool because it's very it's realistic. Real. Yeah. So yeah. On, on the very first one, I was still setting up my controller and trying to get the controller, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. So <laughs> she's just like, all right, if you don't want to talk to me, then just, <laughs> don't talk to me. I was like, no, I can't, can't go back. Yeah. That's actually similar to Oxenfree. And to I was going to say to Telltale, but like Oxenfree, Ryan, I was I played through, and then I showed you, and you seemed to dig it just a little bit. And like, Oxenfree was like, a one millionth just, of the experience of like the first five minutes of this game. I mean, the first five minutes gave so much more resident than Oxenfree for me. I mean, I felt the Oxenfree sure, had a okay. very Honestly, slow Oxenfree is a very campy, very simplistic thing. But the fact it is actually get it's way deeper, way better towards the end. It is a silly concept, you know. It's you know. You go to this island and spooky things start happening, you know, and it's teenagers. So you have to buy into that. I'm going to get oxen free when it's very cheap. on. But those specific things, you know what? You never have to tell me that you're going to get a game when it's really cheap on Steam. Because I know, right? <laughs> I bought Firewatch. I know you're not buy- if bought we weren't Firewatch. doing this podcast, I would have played Firewatch in a year for $4. Yeah, I know. Trust me. So Oxenfree. Uh, similar thing, like you can be talking to someone and you'll get those speech bubbles that come out and you have this subtle timer, like the speech bubbles start to fade and people, if you don't say anything, you can choose to not say anything and interject with other conversations happening and you could just choose to back out. Like I don't need to get into this or someone could be talking directly to you and you choose not to say anything and they'll be like, okay, I guess we don't want to talk. Or even you could, since the characters are there on like Firewatch, you could be speaking to someone. They'll be talking to you. And if you walk away from them while you're talking, they'll be in the middle of a sentence bag. Uh, oh, okay. I'm just not going to finish that conversation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so really cool things coming out of what I think Telltale started doing with The Walking Dead and stuff like that. Sure. Similar I, I things came from that game. The, uh, there's another interesting thing. The opening scene of this game is unlike the majority of the game. And it's also unlike anything I've ever played. Uh, it's hard to say it's a game, the opening like five minutes of dialogue. Yeah, don't spoil any of it. The opening, the opening scene is, getting, is okay, like opening good. I was crying within like, oh God, within what? like two minutes. It was, have you ever seen up? I was just going to fucking say, up. yeah, like, okay. it's, it's like the first five minutes of up. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So it's excited. brutal. And then you start I, the game and, 
It's such it's a just good phenomenal. Opening it's it's such a good opening. It's it's really a stroke of genius. But the actual gameplay, um, it's just it's just so good. I mean, the gameplay itself is good. It's so good. It, Ryan, you once said that Oxenfree's gameplay was the dialogue trees. I I think I that. think Ryan. I, I think I, yeah. I think as you play through this game, you're gonna like it less than you like it now. But for those reasons, I like it more. So I think if you've ever gone hiking, and I know you've gone hiking, I've gone hiking with you, there are some uh, We both elements. almost died. Almost died. Both of us. Rattlesnake situation. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, Different podcasts. We'll talk about hotel. the rattlesnakes. Yeah. There, there are some elements of of hiking. Uh, when you, you go off trail or something and you kind of, you get lot like there are a lot of elements of this game of just, it's kind of boring. It's not boring, but it's just quiet walking through an area and experiencing what it is actually like in real life to do that. It's different than your desire in most games to have sort of like rapid transportation mechanisms. Like, okay, now you've been to this tower and now you've been to this camp. So now we've activated the warp system. Like that's gone. Instead they go for it. No, this is actually what it's going to be like to walk around. You see the sun setting, you have kind of a window of time. You kind of have to get back to where you came before nightfall. And I don't know. I just respect that. They really went all out. They really went in on this. game. They really went in and they didn't go in and then end up sacrificing quality. They made it work. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll tell you, I was slightly frustrated for moments with the compass map system. It was like a little much, do I thought it was cool. Think, you need to learn how to use a paper do map. Do you think if your location was not on the map actively, the game would have been playable? Like it would have been much harder. I think it would have been. I think we probably probably would have learned, but I think it would have made the game too difficult for a lot of people. I think yeah. a lot of people just would have quit. Even with that, though, you still need to learn how to use a compass like you would in real life. And you still need to learn how to read a paper map. Yeah, I had unreal. this moment. Like I only have a comp, like she said, because go West and like at the end of the day, this compass. there's, this although you can it. see yourself on the map, you can't really see which direction you're facing. Right. Also, you can't see the map while you're moving. So how you to- need to look at the map. If you try to look at the map while you're walking, it's impossible to I navigate. exclusively use the map while walking. Well, no. If you, if you, <laughs> I was like bumbling around, like, yeah. <laughs> like driving with the map open on the stairs. If you zoom in on the map, though, to really see. Because yeah. you know when when it's out kind of low, it's kind of hard to see where you are. But when you zoom in to really see the path you need to take, at that point, you can't really walk. Right, right. How um, tutorial heavy is this game? Zero. There is no tutorial. Nothing. The game just throws you in. And you just have to like start navigating this. Part. I need to play this game. I may have to just quit IG Critic and it's, just play a Firewatch. It's one it's of incredible. the best games I've ever played. Um, and the twists and turns. Let me just say the twists and turns that come later on in this game are gonna blow your fucking. I mean, mind. I want to believe they're gonna blow your fucking mind. I want to believe that we're we're just throwing you good games recently. But you've said it's one of the best games I've ever played multiple times now about games we've been playing. Together. I think these are just two games that were kind of they just right up my alley. I mean, right? yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's why I gave you Gone Home because I knew you'd love it. But also, I've been listening to multiple reviews of Firewatch, people talking about Firewatch on podcasts. I haven't really heard anything They yet. only bring up Gone Home. I mean, there's no other comparison. There's no other game. I mean, for real. It's the first like person, this. you know, experience. Right. It's the narrative-driven first person. First, something about it being first person, you know, like that personalization that, that, that yeah, you get it's into. Very, it, it's, 
it's like playing a movie. Now, the interesting thing about this, and now the, the intro to this game is kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure thing, which is not a spoiler. Everybody's not been talking about that. But I've read some reviews um, from people who have finished the game, and they've said that there are things that they've seen in other people's playthroughs and even in the trailers that they never experienced. So actually, you can play this game multiple times, and there are different events that will trigger right, different dialogue, dialogue trees. So you can yeah, play this yeah. game multiple times and... and Still not I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if the end is the same or if there are multiple endings. I don't know if anybody really knows that yet. Sure. It fucking came out yesterday. It just came out yesterday. Yeah, but we'll find out. I'm sure. I'm kind of inclined to believe there might be multiple endings, and also it's really cool that there's there are different things that you can trigger, you can experience. Because I'm going to play this cool. game with my with a friend of mine. Yeah. And it's great to know that it's it's going to be different. Different. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah cool. I plan on finishing the game with a friend. Yeah, this well, see, that's different. Like you know, he's gonna see a whole other side of this game. Hopefully, unless like like Stanley Parable. Remember, you we played Stanley Parable. You immediately obeyed the narrator and just went with it. And like I had you laughing on the floor because like he said, "Oh, J- Jimmy, whatever his name is, Stephen went up." And I'm like, "Fuck you!" He went up. He went down. I'm gonna go down. You got yourself into some pretty bizarre situations. Yeah, the game takes really intense turns. Like like unreal stuff happens. Like if I had just gone to that ending, I would not have thought the game was that weird. You know, but but we got into some weird. Corners of that game is bizarre. Really shit. Yeah, this game gets weird and gets real cool. I'm excited. I, I might I have to so I'll be yeah. done by next uh, Wednesday. When so we maybe we'll get. I might game. finish it tonight. I might just have to put Unraveled aside and like buy this game, play it tonight. I would play Firewatch immediately. Yeah. Let me ask. is not going to be cracking games for the next year okay. to see how it impacts sales on single player <laughs> games. Let's split this into this two This is topics. interesting because I, I used to pirate games when I was younger and I don't anymore. And I've actually never heard of this group. I've heard of a bunch of other groups, but I've never heard I of can this. See okay, the so this is the biggest eyes, one. This is the biggest group. <laughs> you was, can say that. I mean, on. everybody does. Let's when split into two topics. Joey, how do you feel about... Pirating games is atrocious if you're pirating like single player games that have come out in, in the past five years. Like, honestly, in general, it's 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 ridiculous. Okay, and, really Ian, and Ian it. said that he's he used to pirate, but he doesn't anymore. I am totally pro piracy. Let's just move past that. Sure, okay. fine. So, we'll, do you we'll understand keep... the mentality of these people at all? Like, I do. I cannot even. I, I'm trying to like think about it these specifically people, when they're just like uh, beha- weird. Robin Hood pirates? Like I don't understand. <laughs> I what, mean, now well, I, like I think a, a lot more. of them. A lot of them believe that. Well, no, you should be able to try the game before you buy it, and there. I think people have different reasons for for pirating. There are some people that just want the challenge of being able to crack something. Sure, but that's. Let I me give you the context, though. The reason why they stopped doing this in reality is because they came up against the game that they couldn't crack. Like last week's news story was that they couldn't crack Just Cause Three. Just Cause Three. So yeah. it's basically like these people are like. Uh, can't crack this. All right, now we're good, guys. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put this out. I. Well, why would that be the case, though? Because I, they were going for years, cracking games, cracking games. Like they don't, they don't give a shit. They want to crack every game. Boom, can't crack a game. All right, let's I mean, re- I'm not let's saying it's a, it. We're gonna stop cracking games. And see I'm not how saying it they're sales. unrelated. They're well, obviously related. I think the reasoning is. I'm not sure what you're 
concept of their reasoning. I'm pretty sure, and I'm thinking it's pretty clear, the reasoning is they saw that it was cracking games, that, that they couldn't crack this game because it's using DRM or it's using, uh, what's the system, Denu- Denuovo or Denovo, whatever. Some new DRM system. Some new DRM system that uh, other games are actually using. Other developers, uh, other other developers are, are kind of uh, against. Like CD Projekt Red specifically said, uh, the developer of Witcher 3 said, we would never do that because DRM is one of the worst things in games. Right. And... I think that specifically is the thing that they're they th- believe that they are the cause for developers using DRM that they that they are incentivizing the use of this system is that am I crazy I mean in, no in a way they are and in a way they're right and I think it's interesting that they think well, actually what they said is that the way things are going that they think in five years it's going to be impossible to crack anything, and they're just kind of stopping now. I think specifically that's something that they said there. Mm. It's the way it's Quitting going. While they're ahead, sort of. Thing. The way it's going, it. They think that they could crack this game. I think it's something that they could crack this game if they put their, all their efforts into it. But the next one, it's going to be ten times harder, and they just don't have the resources to do it. Regardless, the DRM thing is a really interesting issue uh, when, because especially when it comes to like game preservation. And stuff like this, it's if in 15 years people want to play these games and the company's gone out of business and there's this like crazy fucking DRM algorithm that no one can. And crack. there's a server that you need to log into to play the exactly. game. And now you can't. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, break, that destroys and there are actually some point released games. open source. There are actually people fighting right now uh, for laws to be put in place. Um, copyright laws that say like after X amount of years, it becomes legal to a crack the game and host your own server especially for like online games for especially for like old mmos you yeah, can for never old play MMOs those, and stuff. that content right. well but single player games even is sing- actually the topic like even single player about. games uh, but that's re- that just seems ridiculous to me because it's exclusive to the medium like there's nothing that says oh someone's someone's not going to start making a law except for just public domain, you know, after a hundred years that all of a sudden music under a living artist who owns that or a living, you know, flourishing company no, that owns that. It's specifically that it once the company, free. once the company has abandoned the the product. Okay. I sure that they're abandoning the product and they're not making money off of it anymore. Well, it's or? more for online games, multiplayer only games. Oh, but okay, sure, single but, player but games, the some of them require game, you to lock yeah. into a server to right. play them at all. Yeah, that's right. that is and ridiculous. It's, it's, we it's were an... fighting against that ever since the I mean this is talking consoles, but ever since the announcement of Xbox 1 and PlayStation 4, right. now essentially video these consoles themselves, you know, talking about game consoles, they are essentially always online even yeah. though that's what people were fighting against since the unveiling of the Xbox One. Right. It's a really big issue for sure. And yeah. it goes far beyond video games. I know that if you're into recording music and you have Pro Tools or if you do design... Pro and you Tools. Have pro, t- pro Tools. You have tools that are <laughs> Pro yes. Tools. So, so Pro Tools, they've gone... Well, a lot of people are going to this uh, like, a pro, like program as a service or something mm-hmm. like that, right? So like Photoshop, you subscribe. You can you subscribe, subscribe now, instead right? of purchasing for pro $100 tools, You subscribe $20. now. The thing is... Once a month, the program connects to the server and verifies your subscription. Right. So say you purchase it on the 31st of, of, uh, 
the 30th or something. So like mm-hmm. one month goes by. If for some reason your internet is out that day and it's the day that your computer needs to connect, you can't use that program. Mm-hmm. Even though you're going to continue purchasing it. Yeah. Just because you can't connect, on that you day. can't use it. Yeah. And I just think that idea in general, I mean, it's a very new idea. And I, I think, I don't really think it's it's going to yeah, work. Yeah, it's I just not very it fair. It, there's no way to make that system fair. Yeah. And to make it, you know, I understand how it could benefit a company and like, you know, help them. It's just, it's just absurd that I have half-life two on my computer, but if I can't connect to steam, like I can't play, you can't play it. Well, here's the thing. Everyone was so against DRM until everyone started loving steam. Like they're turned to point where it's like, we want to buy games on steam. Like I don't buy games if they're not on steam. Yeah, but it's it's sacrificing, you know, your philosophies for convenience. And we can hope that what Spotify is doing which is you subscribe and it used to be that you need to be connected to the internet. And that was the big thing. Well, I pay for this library of music, but I can only get it when I'm online. And then people say, well, you're always online being uh, the internet is like electricity. Now though, sometimes the power goes out almost never. Right. But then Spotify said, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to let you download X, Y, and Z. And you can access it whenever you want, when you're offline. You just got to connect. You gotta, just, gotta you just get got a little bit of that feed every once in a while. Just lock back in, let them know you're still alive. Right. <laughs> But I, I mean, I think that is the future, and I don't know if Valve's ever going to do that with Steam. But I think Steam to say I, I have Steam or I bought these games, and I can keep some of them in the cloud, or I can download these ones I want to play all the time if I'm offline. Because there are so many. I mean, you could be on an airplane, and you can be in airplane mode, and you want to exactly. play a game on your laptop. It's it's absurd. Here's yeah. the scariest bit: when you die, you lose your Steam account. You can't pass that down to your children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fucked up you used to be able to pass down games movies media to your kids you can't do yeah, that yeah well actually that's interesting because they were actually just talking about that on we're, did you did we listen to the same podcast yeah, yeah, well yeah, I've heard multiple podcasts yeah, yeah, exactly. so that was, was that the, the new game scoop right were they talking about that I haven't listened to the most recent game scoop I well, don't know what they were saying is I regularly I have a video game collection and when I die my child is going to get my Super Nintendo games and my yep, N64 yep, games yep. and what happens to my Steam, Steam games? games because I have 50 50 to 100 games and it's like what happens yeah I used to I used to think that it was a hipster sort of thing like you know I hate the word hipster but I thought it was kind of a hipster sort of thing like you know having physical copies of things but I love that I now have my physical copies of console games and they're console games so they cost me a penny more than Steam games right. and things like that so there's that, but at the same time, I have them in their mind, and right. hopefully they are, and they don't, yeah. you know, do something like. But I definitely don't appreciate the, you know, DRM uh, path. Everything's going, you know, it's it just turns me off to games. I think you know, something thing- even as simple as like Ubisoft. Every Ubisoft game you oh, play, yes. you have to sign into Gross. like yeah. their UB Gross. whatever thing. Absolutely, yeah. like just takes me out of the experience. I say no, and I turn off the game. Right. I had bought Unity, got it for steal for like fifteen bucks. I'm like, okay, you know, I haven't played Assassin's Creed forever. This one wasn't so highly regarded, but people liked it. I'll try it, and it started asking me to sign in, and I'm like, I'm not playing this game. Yeah. You know, fifteen dollars burn my house down. Yeah. I cannot do this. Yeah, fifteen dollar no, I mean, lesson. I'll it's never a, it's do a it. huge issue, and we we could definitely do a whole episode on it. Sure, yeah, um, but it's interesting for sure, and it's. It is, it's kind of scary, you know, mm. to think that you can invest all of this time and money into something in one day. One day, it just take they take it away from you. Yeah. The Lord giveth, Google taketh away.
So listen to what Andre said about us. Did he listen to the last podcast? It's the most, like, moment of insanity. Yeah, so <laughs> you, I imagine you're sitting there, because you didn't interject at all. You were just watching this <laughs> unravel yeah. into madness. Okay, so Andre says, it's not really my thing, but their dynamic is good. Joey is the repeatedly disrespected leader. Ryan... <laughs> Is the lovable oaf, and Ian is the intense, angry nerd. <laughs> I'm the disrespected leader. Do I come off when as really angry? Do I come off as an oaf? I mean, these are all the same. Yes, yes. You They're do all come off as angry. Really, all backhanded compliments. <laughs> so Ross just said, those people you mean? Like, those three people? Those three people. All right, mic check, one, two. All right, so Amazon bought Ryan, Twitch. Ryan, are you sure? Did you check? Do you know which one is I don't know you? what a mic check you're is, fucking, to be you're honest. You're a fucking tool. Not you true. looked at it like you knew I what just that say was that. happening. I was just looking at the time while I said that. Yeah, okay, got it. Okay, you're checking the time. Right. I thought you were checking, like, I wonder if this is working. Oh, is, is my mic right, working? It looks great. It's red. It is working, though. It's it's red. It's right. <laughs> that, is, that means it's working. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. It is red. All right, so, all right, let me read the abstract. Amazon Web Services Incorporated announced yesterday the release of a free video game engine called Lumberyard. The free-to-download 3D engine is said to be capable of building games for any platform and is releasing alongside Amazon's new multiplayer service called GameLift. The new service boasts Twitch integration and more affordable multiplayer features as a way of catering to smaller developers. Lumberyard is currently in beta with no official launch date announced. All right. So. so we have major things happening now. First of all, some context for the listeners. Amazon buys Twitch August uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. And 2014. At wow. the time, I mean, that was like a major deal. Yeah. I mean, like, millions of dollars. You could imagine Google, 900 million actually. So you could imagine Google buying. Them. I mean, is. Google, Twitch would have been the perfect complement for Google. And Google was bidding on Twitch. I mean, they were in high-level talks. Yeah, and yeah. ultimately, Amazon got them. And, I mean, people who know about the game industry know that Amazon is deeply into games. They have, you know... They are now, yeah. They were, even before that. They had multiple game studios. They're working on games. I mean, they're... Well, they had game studios because of their whole Fire TV. They were trying to get that to be a gaming platform not with just Android. That, though. I mean, they were releasing games for multiple platforms, like, before, not just for the Fire TV. I mean, they Amazon has had a games games program for a long time Mm -hmm. and buying twitch i mean in my mind at least solidified them as like a major gaming player i mean releasing an engine uh, what this is a game engine yeah it is a game engine lumberyard free game engine for 3d rendering and a for 3d designing sorry and a multiplayer service as well called game lift I mean, that ties in so well with the other things Amazon is doing. Yeah, it fits with the narrative of them becoming this one place to go gaming, just everything hub. Right. And also, if you were not clear that Amazon is very serious about games, I mean, this really solidifies it. Like, some people are saying, what what are they going to do with Twitch? How is Twitch going to integrate into the other offerings? I mean, not only does this integrate into Twitch directly, but this shows that they've made a massive 
technological investment into gaming. I mean, the idea that you could write your own language from scratch is just mm. a huge project. I mean, this is not a small thing. This is a huge story. That's why I said I want a minute to think about it. Before it's, it's, it's big that Amazon is doing it, but just so our viewers know, Amazon is not the first company to release a free game engine. It's been done before by a lot of different companies. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, each ga- well, I'm, I'm just saying games. I just want people to know. Right, yeah. This uh, Other game engines are free, like Unreal was free, Unity was free. Although Some have they, a licensing fee. Yeah, they, they have once a project is launched, they have some kind of not all of them. There are some that are totally free. Yeah, but most of the big ones, yeah, they yeah, have Unreal and Unity fees. have something. This had some kind of really technical unit fee. They said something about one point five dollar per one thousand daily, something or other. Yeah, let me give you some context. On Thank that. you. So Amazon <laughs> uh, runs a very successful e-commerce business, as you know, but they also run one of the most successful cloud infrastructure businesses in the world. I mean, ev- almost every website you know runs on Amazon cloud servers, mm. and this is just a complement to that. So the pricing that you just outlined was pricing for how many users you have uh-huh. in the game. I mean, okay. they're they're running on their cloud servers. So this language was clearly written to integrate in the cloud well. And that's something no one has done before. That is Nobody has has dropped a game engine and said, also here are the servers. What does this mean for gaming of tomorrow? This means that it's going to be much easier as an independent gamer to quickly spin up a multiplayer game. Game designer. A multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah game yeah. designer. Yeah. yeah, specifically Gamerlift. They said there's a lot of uh, capabilities with Gamerlift and, and things to get multiplayer games up and running for smaller developers because that's always been you see all these indie games they are all mostly anything that hits the top and is talked about is mostly either couch co-op or single player you know some kind of narrative or whatever or puzzle game the other interesting thing is i just really quick to go back to what we were saying before about how we were kind of saying some of these games they go offline right especially with a small it's possible that a small uh, indie game comes out, has multiplayer components, and that company goes under. A lot of these indie game development studios, they're around for a year, you know? If the game is on these Amazon servers, I mean, I don't know if that kind of opens the door to say, like, Amazon is going to keep these things going longer than these game studios would have been able to on their own. Well, here's the thing. That's not what they're going to do. They You pay to keep it on the Amazon servers. When you stop paying, you stop getting hosting. I could see a, a potential infrastructure where the game is on Amazon store forever. And if someone buys the game, if only three people buy the game in one year, Amazon allocates just enough resources for those three people to have all of the functions of that game operate. Yeah. That's what this is. I mean, you pay per user. Right. But, right. But I'm talking about the studio. Traditionally, a studio would have to pay a hosting service to have to, to host servers for them. Right. You. This is an entire new business model. That's what's interesting right. about it. And you're paying per user who's paying playing your game. So it's very distributed. Right. Which is very interesting. It's more I'm going to need a week to think about this. I'm probably yeah, going to have more we'll, to say next we'll week. We'll talk more next week. That'll be fun.
talk about magic. There you go. All okay. right. He knows how to do it. So this is uh, taken from E27. Secretive augmented reality company Magic Leap has stealed almost 800 million U.S. dollars. Fucking kills me. Just An unbelievable at that. amount of money. And that is their... Not their first round of funding. From high-profile investors, including Alibaba, Google, and Warner Brothers, to produce their AR headset. The latest investment values the company at $4.5 U.S. billion. Alibaba's executive vice chairman, Joe Tsai, will also join the company's board. Magic Leap's technology is as fantastical as it is secretive. The company has offered only glimpses of the beta headset, which appears to show highly sophisticated 3D graphics interacting with offline spaces. So AR headset, we see nothing of it. All right. So Crazy. This is the conversation I wanted to have, basically. So here, here's the thing. Every, this is the year of VR, right? We're agreed on that. We, we assume this we is the year We think this year, like, VR is going to go over the I mean, top. this is the year that the VR headsets are supposed to come out. The three highline ones. Every... Yeah. VR headset that we've seen so far, besides Magic Leap, is high-density LCD screens that you put in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. Magic Leap is not that. Magic Leap is a projector that beams images onto your retina. So it's a completely different technology. So it literally lets you see things in the real world, like as if they were coming into your vision in from, a normal way. From the... Very small small amount of footage that I have seen, it it very much looks like a much better, much more capable HoloLens, Microsoft HoloLens. HoloLens is another example of a very interesting uh, LCD screen that's placed in front of your eyes. But it's not an LCD screen. You can see through the glass. How is that? Is that LCD screen still? Like, it's a, it, you can... It's a glass. It's Google Hol Glass, Holland essentially. Is a, I mean, it's it's a clear screen that's placed a few inches away from your eyes. That, But the images are appearing part on of screen. They're not being projected. Part of it will be on that screen. Uh-huh. In HoloLens, I mean... In Magic Leap. In Magic Leap, it's a completely different next-level technology that none of us have seen yet. I mean, that's why these companies are investing billions of dollars in, in something that is not even close to being a product. So have you read... Uh, interviews or articles by people who have experienced the technology firsthand to say like what it's like. I mean, the the like rumors are that it's this like eye projection. Like it's so secretive that we're not a hundred percent sure. But that is the consensus among people that they they are doing something uh, that is not an LCD screen. That is a projection right onto the retina. That's interesting. I I wonder. How, this is this is kind of tangential but i wonder how bad it is for you to use a vr headset because i know even just that work, is the first work, thing i think of though for sure projecting yeah, something onto your too, retina no I, like, I just mean even just sitting in front of your computer monitor all day i know as soon as i started working a full-time job where i was staring at a computer all yeah, day like my like, oh. vision definitely took a hit yep yeah. Like I had to get glass. Cause you just on default, put it on the highest brightness. It's right there in front of your screen. All Yeah. The, and also, I mean, even all this, all the stuff that you're supposed to do, like you're supposed to look away from the screen for 30 seconds, every 15 minutes or something. I, nobody ever fucking does no. that. And I'm just wondering specifically with the VR headsets, how damaging it is for the muscles in your eyes to just have this thing, like literally 
a couple centimeters in front of your eye. Well, the projecting things on not the projecting. Retina, I'm talking about regular. That's VR what headsets. freaks me out. But like the projecting v- sounds like it might actually be better for your eyes. I could yeah, be better. We I don't just know. I mean, the way me. I see hold it, on, in on. ten years, we'll all have like new eyes. They're gonna fit us with the robotic yeah, eyes because yeah, we have yeah, the shredder yeah, eyes yeah, from yeah. VR. So <laughs> and I, it's gonna be great. So VR actually doesn't concern me as much of that. Like it having something on your head, just it being restrictive and like you know cutting yourself off. That's one thing. But the actual physical issues of like having something, a screen right in front of your eyes. I don't think that's an issue. It is. It's the issue of your eyes. It's like focusing on your hand right here. But the thing is they're projecting images for each eye. So each, so it's very much fools you into thinking that there is something way over here. So you're not focusing on something right here. You're focusing on an image that doesn't exist. That is 20 feet in front of you. Sure. So I don't know if that's an illusion. I mean, it's an illusion. I don't know if it's so artificial in a way that you don't focus that way, but I, I swear that that's fine. I'm wondering just honestly, when I hear about this, I don't think about VR. I don't think about like how cool it's going to be. I think about just the fact that they under our noses raised $800 million and created a $4.5 billion company. That's not the first round of funding. I keep trying to say that's the I latest know. round. I know. The latest round just made it like... So think about this how This is that the happens. fastest round too. There are wasn't. people at like in the investor level, like these CEOs, who are looking at this product. An angel investor. Yeah. Every, yeah. yeah. It's not like... I mean, we it's are not, not. Like they're, Yeah. It's not like they're investing blindly. They've seen it and they see, but just... Uh, who who are these people that like Illuminati. they could do it this way? The secretive. They're technologists. I mean, all right, listen to this quote. When when asked on Reddit how we describe Magic Leap to someone who had never heard of it, um, this guy said, you can think of us as technobiology. We believe it is the future of computing, he explained. It's the proper application of technology to our biology that leads to the experience of magic. So really, they're on some next level shit at this company. Well, they're they're projecting it to be next level shit. They're just saying like VR is not even close. Like we're taking we're taking what we think is this huge step in just interactive media with VR, but we've got something going on that is going to blow that shit out of the water in the next few years. Yeah, from what I know, I feel like Retina Direct projection to the retina is probably the closest probably the closest we're going to get to experiencing things that we're not physically experiencing until we tap right into our fucking like spine so we do the matrix which yeah. is like 20 years mm. out. Yeah. yeah so this is like five <laughs> years, years out the <laughs> right, matrix is uh, like 20 years we got out. a hard number from ryan yeah. yeah 20 years matrix so ryan how much would you pay for an ar headset which has its own computing powered and is self-powered i don't know man i just paid six hundred dollars for a gaming <laughs> monitor so i feel like that probably much more <laughs> we'll Ian? see what how much should- what would you do ju- what would you pay just to keep up with everyone else who now has ha- ar headsets and you're the last I'm one really not oh well i mean that's a bizarre, i, that's I a knew bit, i knew that would be what that's a bizarre scenario I it's mean, what's gonna happen it's i'm gonna be gonna the happen. last one well have you the heard last of- one on that's, the planet but that, why is that the kicker right, and right, you're right. the last one no PS. that's a real thing because you that's the heard? only thing that would take make you buy one i think listen, i think listen, you listen. would avoid it at all costs Me? otherwise yeah i'm not really into vr yeah exactly have you heard of this divergent theory do you understand this idea where like there's going to be a class of people like rich people who can exist in a vr space 
And then there's everyone else who just toils in the real world and like the future. Will... I think they might go the other way. I think they might matrix all of us poor people just to get us out of the way. That's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was my game. I, that was I, your I, game. I mean, we were gonna talk about that at the end, but he insisted that we play. I played a little we game called Hearthstone, a little game called Counter Strike this yeah. week. <laughs> I, I played uh, Amnesia Two. It's your first time. Yeah. Well, I I played Amnesia so, like years ago when it came out. Mm-hmm. Did you play it? I never played any of the single, the first person horror like hide away, don't fight games really so right. now never this game is it's on my steam list i really want to play it's but only not ryan every game that's worth anything is on your wish list and you're gonna no, play i own it it's years. on my list of games i own the first oh. amnesia or amnesia, amnesia 2 the dark descent no that's the amnesia it's amnesia the dark descent amnesia 2 is a machine for pigs okay don't yes. have i am so, a machine for pigs i think amnesia at least from what i remember was a stronger game this was a good game Interestingly enough, it really kind of is the it really is the same genre as Gone Home or Firewatch. It's kind of yeah, it has the horror elements, but really what they were doing with this game, I think it really evolved into Gone Home, right? It's that cinematic experience. It's not about combat, it's about Gone Home is hardly a cinematic experience. Oh, I would say it's definitely a cinematic experience. I would say Gone Home is a very cinematic experience. All right, all And I think this was sort of like the Frodo version of that game archetype, uh, at least when the first Amnesia came out. The second one, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to... I really enjoyed playing it, and I had... A few good scares. There are a few moments where I'm just sitting playing the game and I just yell like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's really fun to me. It's fun for me to have those experiences. But at the end of the day, I play this game and then three days later I play Firewatch. And, uh, you know, a week ago I played Gone Home and it's just like this. This it just not even close. I feel bad. Yeah, you can't even fucking touch those it games. It kind of sucks because those two games are masterpieces, like for what you like. And it's incredible that you're saying this. There aren't that like, many other games like that. Right. Well, I'm saying, well, actually, there are. And I've been reading up on them. A lot of them are horror games. And and I think this kind of. I, th- I think the genre really started with these horror games. Um, yeah, that's and true. It's interesting I agree. to see them go into this direction that's not horror. Although, I, I, well, I don't want to. Really cool. It's fact. interesting because Gone Home kind of played with that. Like, is this just going to fucking yeah. stop so being in my mind? Is this horror? Is this horror? Is this horror? That's what I was going to say. You're in my mind. Fuck off. I swear. Like, cause <laughs> that's it the came, second time that yeah. happened today. It, that's why I'm saying. No, that, that is so, true. Though. Yeah, like that. the fact that these single player first person horror experiences where they drop the gun and they say, just get out or just find these clues find these notepapers stupid shit like slender all these things come out and become super successful clones go all over the place and then this guy steve gainer from full bright all of a sudden decides to 
kind of snake his way in. I think there's more here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and really, at the end of the day, all all these games are kind of the extension of the first Resident Evil. Now, if you think about Resident Evil, most of the game is not combat, right? Mm. Did you play Resident Evil 1? I when it was out, you know, like right. with so, friends, I so never RE1, actually played if you all play like RE1 remake or the new HD remake. Mm. A lot of that, it, it comes from the point and click adventure game. It comes from, yeah, yeah, for sure. It comes from like monkey Island and mist and those kinds of games. Monkey. Island, and I think oh this, I think this whole, we're really like breaking into a new genre of game. And I think, I think in the next year or two, we're going to see a lot more of these games. And I think we're going to see some really, really great stuff. But it's interesting. It's really just the extension of the adventure game. Mm. Honestly, though, I think these type of games are going to benefit a lot from VR. I'm going to dispute that in a second. Sorry. I would agree with you. Because in these games, you're not really interacting with the environment to an extent where you need, like, complex hand movements. You just need to kind of walk around and experience the environment. And that, I mean, that VR is all that. So let me... so. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Let me just talk about amnesia because I'm just gonna. I'm we're going on tangents. That's fine. a lot of the things. A lot of things that really bothered me about this game. Okay, so for one, you can open drawers in this game. There is not one instance in this game where there is anything in the anything in any drawer in the entire world mm. that means anything. That is grim pickings. I it's, have to say. Wait, wait. <laughs> My criticism or that you can no, do that. that you could open yeah. million drawers. You can open a million drawers and you will never find one thing. Yeah. It's just. That's incredibly mean. It's, That's like it's, the most like yeah. cruel thing they could have done. Yeah. I mean, in Gone Home, I don't know if you ever. I, maybe there's a note or two that you find mm. in a drawer. In this Gone game, Home, there's a lot of stuff you can find. There's, there's stuff in the drawers. drawers. I mean, there's like books that are yeah, clearly there's, written there's by stuff people. That you, like, yeah, yeah. But in this game, there's nothing that you find. And there's cabinets you can open. There's nothing you can find. Stuff like that bothers me. Um. The plot is good. There's voice acting, but m- the majority of what you're doing is finding a note, pausing, reading the game for five minutes, reading through the note, which is fine. I don't have a problem with it, but I, I kind of actually preferred that in some games, I think. But that was from the day when the voice acting, you, it just you never had that expectation of quality like you kind of do now for mm. voice acting in games. So I used to be OK with reading it because it was you're going to read this or you're going to have a horrible C-level voice actor read it. But now after playing Gone Home and Firewatch, it's just like, it just doesn't. Well, for, yeah. it just doesn't. Great voice acting exists in the medium. It's But, but it the, didn't always. But the medium is notorious for having bad voice acting and bad performances. Right. You know, well, from a bad record of We of didn't really past. have good voice acting in games till like 2005. Yeah. Really. So. But regardless. I was going to just quickly dispute your your claim that they are like, adventure games when you say adventure games i associate that genre title with things like monkey island things like grim fandango Mm -hmm. and things like that it's like those those are like put the banana on top of the screwdriver and you have a key into the banana screwdriver hole re1 re1 was exactly like that sure resident evil re1 amnesia and gone home were you also what you were kind of talking about so were you talking about those games well, amnesia definitely. Yeah. There is that. There is find the crank, put the crank in the hole, turn the crank, mysterious door opens, go down in the mysterious door. And Gone Home had that. Uh, Gone sure. Home had here's the hidden 
passageway sure, yeah. or like pull this book on the cabinet and yeah. the door opens. Yeah, okay. It's it's less obtuse. Yes. Okay. Uh, You're right. But yeah. it's definitely it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um the DNA is there. Yeah, I agree. You're right. I don't really know. See, that's the the sad thing about this game is it scared me and it was fun and I was drawn in enough that I marathoned it. It was like I couldn't stop playing, you know? Yeah. And it's like you're watching that TV show and they get you with a cliffhanger and you can't stop playing. Yeah, like a, an okay TV show. But the thing is, at the end of the day, gone home, I finished that game and I felt good about it. I felt like that was a meaningful experience. When I finished Amnesia, I felt empty. Yeah. And I felt like... You felt like oh, you finally hard finished. Game, no, I, I just felt like that was... I, you didn't take I, I, anything from it. I just you felt existed like, in it and you experienced it while it was there, but at the end, you didn't really take anything right, from and it. Even more than that, I was kind of upset and I was like, there's so many better things I could have done this weekend. Ah, uh, damn. Which is interesting. <laughs> That's it's interesting, always hard. But it's interesting that a game can draw you in that much with, I guess I would say that they're kind of like cheap hooks. Like the cliffhanger is kind of a cheap hook in that way. It's, it drags you in, but at the end of the day, there's really nothing there. Yeah. yeah. Still makes, interesting. This conversation interesting. makes me think of Lost. It's still yeah. And it's still all the interesting hours though. that I just lost to that I can never damn, get back. The of Lost yeah. so bad. <laughs> so bad. But isn't it interesting that you could be so tied in? Yep. And then, but and there's then really just, nothing there's there. Nothing there. It's just the illusion. It's just an there. island. So that's how I felt about <laughs> Amnesia too. Of our lives. So I'm sorry <laughs> that I just. I feel like I just. I don't know if it sounds like I'm just like ripping this game apart but well it's it's on slightly unfair because we're comparing it to a couple of really great games uh but at the same time you're saying something there that like some games you take away something and it leaves a meaningful experience right. whereas other games right. like and you i know, feel like firewatch just, is gonna just be games. that too i i can't see any way in which firewatch ends and i don't feel like I take something home. Well, I well, feel you've like you already, already took something. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ending doesn't even need to be that great. Right. You've already had a That's great a good experience. Point. That's a great so point. there you go. All right, Joey, what are you playing? So I played Unraveled. I've been playing Unraveled because I'm reviewing it. Uh, I cannot, I never like, you know, if a game hits you and it's awesome and you haven't finished it, I understand. I am not totally impressed with Unraveled currently. I was very much looking forward to this game, as was a lot of people. There was a lot of hype around it because... The uh, head developer had shown up at the EA press conference and was a very human, like very, he was very nervous and he had Yarny, like the little figurine. What genre is it? It's a puzzle platformer. Okay. It's very limbo inspired, actually. Uh, Does a lot of- Explain what goes on, because I saw the trailer today and there's like a yarn scenario. Okay, so Unravel is a puzzle platformer. You play as a little figurine made out of yarn who is magically alive and you go out into these different environments and you are again, a little figurine. So everything's much larger than you. You're in these different ecosystem areas. Like I played a level that was in some, this someone's backyard and you were messing around with like the play balls that were there and like little things like the garden and the, and the greenhouse, you know, and basically because you're made of yarn, you can use that in the platforming mechanics by throwing yarn from yourself onto little yarn hooks that just are, you know, arbitrarily placed in the world. And you kind of just swing from them. There's a lot of good swinging mechanics. And then you can tether them to each other, these little yarn hooks. 
and then bounce off of the yarn and things like that. So a little clever, clever things like that. That's where the puzzle mechanics come in. But honestly, I, again, I don't like bashing a game before I finish it. For all I know, it gets much better. I am at like the third or fourth level and I have no idea what the game is about. It's about this little yarn ball that's somehow alive and it's putting together a scrapbook of pictures. And I'm getting the sense that it means a lot to the developer and means nothing to us. Like it's a story that they have with all these photos of their kids and stuff. And I'm like, uh, what is happening? Like th- there's one opening cinematic where an old lady looks at her pictures, you know, fondly and then sighs and takes her ball of like her basket of yarn and fucking, you know, crochet shit up to her room and then a little red ball drops and then magically you're apparently that yarn ball and you become this yarn figurine and you go out and do shit and find little yarn made flowers and that's the end of the level. Joey, like this is what I mean when I say there's no story in video games. Like, but this is a different video game. Like, that's ridiculous. Here's what I'm saying. Like when I say Limbo, that, there is a very definitive I mean, video game. Lindo, Limbo, the very definitive. Sorry, story has a cool story. But in a lot of games, the story is clearly just tacked on as an excuse to push people through the game. Like what they wanted to do was develop this yarn based platformer. And then they're like, oh, wait, like, we can't just do that. We need to throw in the story. Sure, that's fine. On the top and of I underst- barely thought it out. Right. I This one sounds like there is a story and the developers really love it. And we are left kind of hanging as to what it is. But now the crit- there must have been some positive critical response that got you interested in this game, right? Because you, con- you, so- you had solid expectations. I mean, I had seen it. I had seen it at Expos and it looked like a cool puzzle platformer. It looks... Which is a genre you like. Yeah, puzzle platformers, one of my, platformers in general, my favorite genre of all time. It looks incredible. It is probably the prettiest photorealistic game I've ever played. Like the grass and everything you're walking around, every inch of that game is detailed and, and was clearly, like it's, everything looks so detailed. Like the waterfalls in the background does really brilliant things with the back and foreground you know, out of focus background and like things coming to the foreground. Limbo did things like that, but it was very clearly, they went for the minimalistic approach with a monochrome, you know, uh, palette and then just basically faded things in and out. But everything going back when you play Limbo, you can see that they're just kind of like paper cutouts that were focused to the front or focused to the back. Whereas this, everything feels real while like a 3D space that you just happen to be walking along in a 2D plane or whatever for some reason. And that's actually why I don't like it as much also because you're, it's so real looking. And then all of a sudden you tether these yarns together and you can push giant rocks onto the yarn. It makes no sense in like the game, like Let's in the world. Let's say it was a yarn though. It was just like a digital string. If would it was you, a digital string, it would make more sense to me. Exactly. You, would, you like the platforming elements of the game though? Is the, are the They're mechanics good. The mechanics are okay. The no pl- art. No art. And then no, I wouldn't like it as much. Like I look, you like the ludological, you know, elements of games. And that is the most pure reason for a game. And I agree. Gameplay is king. Colin Moriarty, great journalist always says that. I agree that gameplay needs to be good. Otherwise, if it's not good, but it's you're still playing the game, then it's just something else. It's a different thing. It's a narrative experience. It's not a video game. Uh, but this 
is a beautiful game and it's making, it's very endearing and I'm liking it, but just some of the puzzles are kind of silly and they are not very creative and all the yarn things are just the fact that it's you're also, such, you're also playing this game in the wake of playing the witness. So saying the puzzles are not creative. Yeah. We're talking about the witness, yes, arguably I some did, of the most creative. Puzzles yes, ever. I did. I did have to like, think of that. I was like, you know, I did just play the best puzzle game possibly of all time. Yeah. Like, I don't know this, the witness I am slowly like I'm at the end point of the witness right now. And I am pretty sure this is like, one of my top five games of all time. This game wow. witness is such an incredible game. I don't care what the story ends up being. It's so convoluted and crazy. It seems, uh, but it's such an incredible experience. Yarny. I still love puzzle platformers. They can be simple limbo. The puzzles are not nearly as creative as Jonathan blows games, but limbo, they are still creative and they are still fun and they, work in the world that you're in you're just somehow whereas this is just like you're in this very realistic looking world doing very unrealistic silly things all right i have an itch to play a puzzle platformer i go home tonight what do i pick up or in the blind forest or or in the blind forest game? is not a puzzle platform it's got puzzles but it's mostly a com- combative I play a, a platform it is a puzzle game sort of or in the blind forest is so far much better so okay. far, a much better platformer than Yarny, uh, Unraveled. Unraveled, I have not finished yet, so to be fair. And there were a couple platform like mechanics. Uh, no, there were a couple of puzzles I came about before leaving and coming here. That I was like, oh, that's getting a little clever. Like with the physics, there were some cool physics mechanics they were playing with. But then we, I got to this one level where I'm in a swamp and everything's just annoying. <laughs> and I can't stand it. And I'm going to guide my way through that, I swear, because I can't stand it. So... Not not sure if I'm a big fan of this one yet. Really tempted to just drop it and play Firewatch, but I have to finish this review. Firewatch for sure. So this week, Firewatch was my new game. That's the only new game I played, but I played three games. I don't know if you guys heard of them. Rocket League, Counter-Strike, and Hearthstone, <laughs> as I do every week. As you do every week. You're still playing Rocket League. I still play I play I not in between Rock- Counter-Strike matches. I have not picked up Rocket League in a while. I'm pissed that I'm not like insanely good at Rocket League. I feel like Rocket League is a game you can play while like reading the news. You, you can't can have read. the news read to you. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You okay. have to be listening or something. I could like rewatch Seinfeld and play Rocket League at the same time. I don't really time. know anything about Rocket League, but it, it's like it's, it's soccer. You know everything you know about Rocket with League. Mouse and keyboard or just mouse? You play with controller. Controller. Oh, you plug okay. your controller game. It's, Ian, it's, it's soccer, soccer in a rocket with cars. Car. Like oh. that's you know everything about the game. Like, but you can fly. It. You can fly, so it's it's cool. Yeah, but it's, it's rocket but powered it's not cars. Soccer with like teams, right? It's just yeah, 1v1. Teams, teams, teams or one v one. It is soccer. In my review, I say like it's so plays so much like soccer. It hardly needs explaining. Uh. Like it's literally soccer. There's no offsides or anything, right. but like you know, but it, it turns is out what's amazing about soccer is everyone knows the rules. I mean, get the ball exactly. in the hole. And everyone, like, immediately when you start playing, it's like, oh, yeah. All right. Wrapping it up. Sure. Wrapping it up. All right. I don't have a good ending yet. I just kind of say wrapping it up. And I mean, I, it there. I, Finn. I think we could we could just mention, you know, oh, well, what the we website. do. We have a website. We have a website. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a website now. Well, We're on iTunes. iTunes.com. It's not. Oh, yeah. So anyway, you can go to screenwatchers.net. We're on the line. If you go to the line, you can get us We're right on the line. <laughs> Screenwatchers.net. Screenwatchers.net. It's a little I am under J- construction. I am Joe it's a website on the line. 
I am Joe DeClaire. This is Ian K. This is Ryan, Ryan. Von, Ryan von Beethoven. Just Ryan? Oh, that's his. Okay. Today it's about von Beethoven. Yeah. Okay. I'm going with composers. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, Shostakovich, I didn't Beethoven, I didn't Offenbach. <laughs>